portion of the bulletin that you would love for you to fill out, place that in the offering plate, and so we can have a record of your visit and know how we can minister to you. Um, I do want to take just a moment, though, to say thank you to some of our home folks. Um, I don't know if you notice, you look around the yards, and there's a little bit less trash, and there's a little bit more mulch, and, and I know that the, uh, the nursery wing is a lot cleaner, and so just thank you guys so much for coming and helping clean up our facility. Thank you, Scott, for spearheading that, and um, uh, we, we, there's still a, little, uh, still a little bit more we can do, but what a great effort. It, it shows that you take pride in the house of God. So, uh, But right now, I want to take this opportunity to greet each other. So find somebody and let them know that you're excited to see them, and uh, shake their hand and let them know that you're excited that they're here today. 
some wonder. Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sinks my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art.
don't get too excited now, okay? We don't know if we can handle that if you got too excited. Or, yeah, that's fine. You, you can hug me. All right. Um, I could talk to you about something. Does anybody know kind of what's going on in the next, maybe like two weeks from now, something special at church? Just tell me. Just come on. What's, what's going on? Easter. Easter. That's right. Easter. And what do we talk about when it comes around to Easter? Just, just tell me. Bunnies, eggs, Jesus, all right, yeah, all those things. We do. We talk about all that kind of stuff. Now, listen, there's something else. There's a lady named Annie. Annie, that's right. Annie, uh, I bet that wasn't her real name, but it was just Ann. But who knows? Well, I bet several people know. I don't know. So, uh, but anyway, Annie, Annie Armstrong. Annie Armstrong was a lady who was a missionary. And long time ago, folks got together and they thought, hey, you know what we could do? We could really, we could really help out our missionaries if once a year we emphasized missions in the United States and in, in North America, United States and Canada. And we thought, how about Easter? That'd be a great time to talk about Annie Armstrong missions and that kind of thing. So this is what I want us to do. This is what I want us to do. We're going to go somewhere today, okay? Uh, but you got to pretend because we're not really going to get up and go somewhere. We're going to pretend we're going to go somewhere. And I'm going to see if you can play this game, all right? So, um... My name is BJ. You got that? Yeah. All right, good. You know it. All right. And I'm going to go to Boston, and I'm going to take a Bible. How about that? Does that sound good? Can I take a Bible to Boston? My name is BJ. You, are you picking up on a pattern yet? Okay. All right. Anybody else want to try? Anybody else want to try? You want to tell us your name and where you might go? All right, let's see. I'm Hannah. All right, wait a minute. You got to speak good and clear, okay? Your name is what? Hannah. Hawaii. Hawaii. Let me check my list. Mm. All right, we'll let you go to Hawaii. And I'm bringing ham. Ham? Ham? Oh, that's how you can pay your fare there because they just eat spam is what I understand. If you had a ham, you could buy your ticket back. Um, okay, all right, fair enough. Anybody else want to try? All right, go for it. My name is Brooklyn, and I want to go to... to um. The beach again. You want to go to the beach? Okay. I'll play along with that. Beach. All right. You want to go to the beach? What are you going to take with you? Um, a peanut butter sandwich. A peanut butter sandwich? Can we put a banana on it? No? Okay. All right. You want to play? Uh, my name's Elena, and I want to go to... I don't really know yet. Maybe England? <laughs> and what are you going to take with you? Um, maybe a panda? All right, take a panda with you. That's awesome. Hey, listen, when we were, we were doing this, um, I said I didn't really know how this was going to work out. I really rarely know how a children's sermon is going to work out, okay? But I've got this little map here because I don't have a bigger one. Um, but this little map here, this got, it's got some cities on it all across the United States and Canada. And some of these cities are some that our North American Mission Board has said these are sinned cities. 
Not to be be confused with Las Vegas, Sin City, but this is Sin Cities. And so we, we pray for these cities in particular. There's a lot of church planning going on. And what does that mean? That means that there's a new pastor and he's starting a brand new church in some of these cities. There's one that's really close by. The one's really close by is Atlanta. Atlanta is one of those cities, and so some of the some of the other ones, uh, Denver, Chicago, Calgary. I told you, you know, Canada, uh, New Orleans. There's just a, there's, there's a whole lot of cities here, a bunch of different cities where pastors are are planting new churches. Some of them may even be having their very first church service today, like right now or in the next few minutes. And so we want to pray for those. Okay, now listen. We do some other things too at, at our church. We we give so that so that these guys can have places to plant churches. Uh, the North American Mission Board does other things. They they have a chaplaincy program for our, our military, but so many other things. But our church, Northside, does some things too. We have been to the um, we well we've we, we've got upward we've got upward uh, flag football right now that we do. That's a mission field, okay? We've also we've we've been to bridging the gap and helped over there. We've been to the pregnancy resource center, and I want to tell you and your parents about something that that's happening as a result of that. Going to the resource center, we've got a family that we were notified about who they've just had a brand new baby, and they need a lot of help. And they need a lot of help, and so out. Out in our foyer, we've got a table, and there's there's a board out there that's got some some items on it that, that, that we can help. You know, whenever whenever somebody has a baby here in the church, a lot of times the the ladies throw a shower for that uh, for that family. Well, this family doesn't really have a, a, a church home that, that does that, so we're going to do that for them. We're going to help them out, and um, the uh, the the items are out there. You can you can pull one of those off. And you can, if you purchase that item, bring it back to the church. It doesn't have to be wrapped, um, but we want to we want to bless that family uh, because God has blessed us. Okay, God has blessed us not just for us, but so that we can turn around and be a blessing. And all of this ties into just giving and serving Jesus. So we're going to pray for those church planners. We're going to pray for this family, uh, and as we as we leave here this morning, okay. Father, I want to thank you for these children. I thank you that uh, they're eager to go places. Um, Lord, I pray that they do go places and they carry the gospel with them. Lord, I want to pray for our North American Mission Board, the missionaries, the church planners that uh, uh, may be starting today. And I pray for this family that that, uh, we hope we can bless as well. All for your name and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you take, continue to take charge of this service. Lord, speak in and through me. I pray, Father, that we'll see Jesus and that we'll respond in obedience to him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I'm going to kind of change things up just a bit as the Lord was speaking to me as I sat there this morning and listening to BJ with, with the children. Uh, kind of on the back burner over the last several weeks, the Lord's been speaking to my heart about a vision for us during these days together. I wasn't going to unveil this this morning, but the Lord's impressed upon my heart to do so. And here is very simply the vision that I have for you at Northside Noonan. It goes like this, to impact the world from Noonan, Georgia. That's it. That's my vision. Now, how are we going to do that? I'll let you know in days to come. Okay? And so I want you to be attentive when I share that mission, then the mission statement. That's our vision statement, to reach the world from where? All right, right here. And how are we going to do it? Well, here's one way, through, through home missions, armed missions, and we'll continue to talk about these things in days to come. But I have penned a prayer for myself, and I want to share that with you, and I want you to pray accordingly. Here it is. Lord, please open my eyes so I can see Northside Noonan as you see it. Give me spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear as you instruct me as the pastor, the shepherd, and leader. Help me to see and make the needed changes that will have a kingdom impact. Use me to lead your people, reach new people, and make an impact for the name of Christ, both here, home missions, and foreign missions. In Jesus' name, amen. That's my prayer each and every day for you, forever how so long that the Lord has me here. I pray that you will join me in that prayer and that God will give me his vision for you and that we together can see God do great and miraculous things. Now, this morning, uh, I want to begin. I, I always kind of like to break the ice a little bit. And I found an article, and it's called The Perfect Pastor. Okay? Uh, how many of you have been Googling my name? You know, you're trying to find out who is this dude? Who is he? What's he all about? Is he going to be this perfect pastor that, that I have envisioned? Listen to this article. It says that uh, a perfect pastor will please everyone. Number two, he preaches exactly 20 minutes and then he sits down. Number three, he condemns sin, but he never steps on anybody's toes. Number four, he works from 8 in the morning to 10 at night, doing everything from preaching sermons to sweeping the floors. He makes $400 per week, gives $100 a week to the church, drives a late model car, 
buys lots of books, wears the best clothes, and has a really nice family. He always stands ready to contribute to every other good cause to help all the panhandlers who drop by the church on their way to somewhere else. Listen to this. He's 36 years old and been preaching for 40 years. <laughs> He's tall, but kind of on the short side. He's heavy set in a thin sort of a way. And he's handsome. Amen? I, I got an amen back there. And he's handsome. I asked her this morning, am I more handsome than you dream? And she said, oh, yes. And then she got on her knees, began to pray. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, all right. He has eyes of, of blue and brown, depending on the occasion. He wears his hair parted in the middle. Uh, the left side's dark and straight. The right side's brown and wavy. He has a burning desire to work with the youth, but he spends all his time with the senior adults. He smiles all the time while keeping a straight face because he has a keen sense of humor that finds him seriously dedicated. He makes 15 calls a day on the church members, spends all his time evangelizing non-members, and is always found in the study if you need him. Unfortunately, the perfect pastor burned out at the age of 32. So I say all that in humor, but uh, I found another interesting article just by way of introduction. And it was entitled this, 14 Keys to a Successful First 100 Days as a New Pastor. Now, not only is the title of that article way too long, when I read it right there, but it seems a bit uh, ambiguous to me because as a pastor, I'm just trying to get through today, amen? Not the next hundred days. So I appreciate you coming and asking me, are we going to do this, are we going to do that, are we going to continue this, are we going to continue that? The Lord's revealing to me day by day, day by day. So remember the prayer, pray that the Lord will give me his eyes and his ears as to how to direct us. Now, I've met many of you, and, uh, well, some of you, let's, let's say that. I've met some of you, and then many of you I've gotten to know a little bit better. And as the days go by, I will get to know all of you before our time uh, is through here. But this morning, I, I want to not equate myself with the Apostle Paul, but to for you and I to relate to the Apostle Paul when he spoke to the church at Corinth. And so I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, and we'll look at the first five verses together. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, 
lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to us, through us, and Lord, that we would be obedient to what it is you would have us to say or do. May you be glorified. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Rather than giving you, excuse me, I'm anybody else having pollen issues? And when you have pollen issues, you take that stuff that dries up the pollen, and it dries up everything, doesn't it? So uh, I'm going to try to keep that moist here today. But as we look at this passage of Scripture, and the Lord seemed to impress this upon my heart for us on our first Sunday together, uh, rather than giving you a biographical sketch of, of where I've been and where I've gone to school and you know how big my family, you'll hear all those things. I'm a bragging granddaddy, okay? You'll hear all that stuff as days go forward. But as we look at this today, I want you to get to know me, and I want us to compare the Word of God and what Paul is saying and what you really need to know about me. You need to know my heart. Once you get to know a person's heart, then you begin to understand them. We're bad to judge one another from the outside, and we're bad to Google somebody in, in today's society and decide that, you know, we don't like him, or he looks too much like this other guy. I hope he sounds like that one. But let me tell you, I'm not going to sound like anybody. I'm not going to look like anybody other than who God created me to be. Okay? And so when we look at this passage of Scripture, God just seemed to impress upon my heart to look at this, this word because back in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is reminding the Corinthian Christians of the apostolic and pastoral ministry that he had among them. That they themselves as a body of folks had believed the gospel now many are gathering in this room today you have believed the gospel of the lord jesus christ you are following him in your christian walk as were these folks here in the scripture and this body of folks who believed the gospel the gospel was first preached to them by the apostle paul so paul is now coming and he's uh, reviewing what is happening in their lives. And it was a testimony of his ministry. I say this not in a braggadocious way, but I spent 15 years in your area. 15 years in your area where God used me greatly in a spirit of revival. Many lives were touched. Some of those people are here today. Just slip up your hand. They're here. Now they're, they're, you say, well, they're preacher followers. No. They, they, they've come today because they, 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 there's something that happened in their lives through me that they wanted to come and show their appreciation uh, to me today that, hey, because of your preaching, I now continue to follow Christ. I got an email just this week from a church that I'd been to eight different times in Clarksville, Tennessee. The lady said, you may or may not remember me. But my husband's name is Bob. We were, you were there and you were doing a sweetheart banquet. And when you're doing the sweetheart banquet, you were so kind to sit down and minister 
to my husband. He didn't want to be there. He wanted to be any place but there. But you were kind to him, and you shared the love of Jesus. Now, eight or nine years, I don't know which, later, she has contacted me and said that he was in church last Sunday, and he's in church today, and she said, I wanted you to know. So my point is this, is that we are, as our senior adult class this morning was so intentional in their teaching about sharing with the Syrophoenician woman that we are to be intentional of sowing the gospel, telling people about Jesus, not knowing whom we will affect in days to come. So here's Paul. Paul is remembered. He's had ministry in and among them. And so in chapter number 4, he lays out the type of pastor that he had been to the Corinthians. Now, while I'm certainly not uh, the Apostle Paul, I am a pastor and have been for a number of years. And what the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write here resonates with my own heart and my own soul. And so this is the kind of ministry that I want to have among you. You pray that this is the kind of ministry that I have while I am here with you. Look through the text with me and consider what it says. And notice, uh, you guys, if you'll follow with me, I'm a messenger. I'm a messenger with the scripture is to be preached. I come to you today as a messenger, a herald, a herald from God. The New Testament word is for preach there is a word that was originally used to describe the herald of the king. That was the fellow who would ride into the center of town and he would, from his uh, the bottom of his heart, he would say, Hear ye! Hear ye! And he comes. And he comes with a message. And in this case, he comes with a message from the Lord. So when we look at a New Testament preacher, and what we want our preacher to be, we see he's come with a message from the king. He's come with a message from the king. He wanted his people to, whatever message the king had laid upon his heart, he wanted to share it with the people. So a New Testament preacher, then simply a messenger of King Jesus. He proclaims the word of God, and he delivers that divine message to God's people. Now notice in our text, uh, Paul wanted the Corinthians to know how serious he was about his ministry as a messenger and a herald of King Jesus. Notice his approach to preaching, verse 2. As part of the ministry God's mercy had given to him, Paul said that he had renounced, look, renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, that's a bulky verse. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in that verse right there. But what he's saying is, uh, I have sworn off of any kind of secret, any kind of shameful agenda. He says, I am not trying to sneak anything over on you. He says, but I, or pull any kind of wool over your eyes, I come because what God is saying to me, I am saying to you. And then, notice the phrase, handling the word of God deceitfully. Deceitfully is our key word right there. Because when we see, he, he used it to describe those who would water down the wine that they sold to their customers 
cheating them in the process, deceitfully. You know, some of you followed our little trip to France and Germany and Switzerland, and I, I, I can just tell you it was overwhelming. And I sent back one little funny Facebook post, and I said, we in the South are known for being the Bible Belt and the, and the home of sweet tea. I said, over here, it's the home of the cathedral belt and the home of wine tasting. My goodness, there were vineyards everywhere. And they wanted to know, why don't you drink wine? Do you? Well, I, you know, I come from an addictive family, and I have an addictive nature, but, you know, if you can, okay. And, you know, and so I kind of had to approach it from that angle. Now, two weeks ago, I was in Notre Dame. Didn't have a clue what they were saying, what they were doing, quite honest with you. But it was interesting. It was very interesting. As they were coming out of Mass, and we were coming in to look at their beautiful, beautiful cathedral and their, their, all of their religion and all that they were doing. My wife and I are walking along with other people that are, are there on the uh, tour, and they have this ornate carving on the wall showing Jesus from his birth all the way to his ascension. It was beautiful. Beautiful to see. And a little Asian lady to the side of my wife says, bless that little baby's heart. So tragic. You know what that said to the Baptist preacher? Lost. L-O-S-T. Need not religion needing a relationship. Now, I could have went over there and say, turn or burn, lady, get right or get left. <laughs> but I don't think that would have worked there. So the, the boat that we were on, only 160 people allowed us some very unique, very unique opportunities to show the love of Christ. I wasn't being deceitful. I wasn't trying to notch my baptismal record, but I really have a burden now after making this trip, more so than I did when I went, globally, globally. Our world's so small here, and when we get among ourselves here in the Bible Belt, we tend to fuss and fight among ourselves and looking at what the real cause is. He did not adjust. He did not water down. He did not tamper with the gospel. He did not stroke the listeners' egos. He did not avoid ruffling their feathers. Know what he says right here. I'm not going to cheat you with anything less than the truth. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to give it to you straight. That's what he meant by manifestation of the truth. So his approach to preaching was to take the Word of God and to make it as clear as he possibly could and correctly uh, share what God was saying to him to those that he was speaking to so that they completely knew what God had for them. Nothing more, nothing less. And so a true biblical pastor he, he mounts the pulpit with one goal in mind, and that's to tell you 
what the Word of God has to say. He hopes it'll bless you. He hopes it'll help you. But if it bruises and hurts you, then so be it. He appreciates your approval, but whether you like it or not, he must preach the scriptures. It seems that whenever I go to my mailbox, the mailman has brought more burdens than he has blessings. How about you? Occasionally there's a nice card or a letter from a friend, but most of the time my bills outnumber my cards. Now, I might think that the mailman's just trying to get all my money. <laughs> but that'd be foolish. The mailman has got to deliver the mail, and so does the preacher. But to deliver it straight as to what it says. Well, in all this, then Paul gives us his anticipation in preaching. He, he says that rather than trying to trick or cheat the people in any way, he preached by the manifestation of truth. And he's saying the naked, transparent, the, the open, the honest declaration of the Scriptures. That's what he's saying. I nothing. Here it is just like it is. And then he says, commending himself to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, Paul said that because he would just be preaching what the scriptures themselves already said, his hearers would be able to judge clearly the truthfulness of what he was saying and then they would have to respond to God for themselves. You see, you check me out. You go to the scriptures, you check it out and see if I'm preaching the truth or not. It's a two-sided event, however. The preacher can preach the truth. But the hearers have got to hear it. And they've got to respond and be obedient. So Paul's anticipation in preaching was that he took the Bible, he declared it plainly, what, what he stated to the people would actually and carefully be listened to, and that's what's, what he was anticipating would take place, and as he preached, they would weigh his words against the words of the Scripture, then having seen that, what he had preached matched up with that passage, they would then have an obligation in their own conscience to respond to God's Word. Now, is your new pastor? I don't merely want you to show up on Sunday. That's nice if you show up on Sunday. Encourages me when you show up on Sunday. But what I really am looking for, while your attendance is appreciated, I, I want you to do more than show up. I want you to sit up listen up and respond accordingly. I've often been asked when I'm preaching, 
do you really expect people to respond every service? Yes, I do. That's my anticipation. I come believing that God's word can stir any and every heart. I come knowing that every person in this room and any room that the word of God is being preached has needs and hurts in their lives and has need of Jesus. So that's my anticipation is it was Paul's anticipation. Imagine two people attending the service. One of them sleeps for the, from the time that we announce the text. The other listens intently to every word. The first fellow wakes up in time to stand during the invitation. And when the service is over, he shakes the preacher's hand and he says, Good message, preacher. The second one is so angry. He's so upset that he won't even speak to the preacher when he leaves. Now, neither is the response that I seek. But I would rather have the guy come out angry than the guy to lie to me who is asleep. I'm going to let that one soak in. What's your expectation? Just another preacher? Good looking one, I might add. But it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Now, notice not only have I come as a messenger, but to preach the Word straight, but I've come as a missionary. I've come as a missionary to let you and remind you, to let you know and remind you that sinners are perishing. They're perishing all around us. I have an old commentary on a book of 2 Corinthians written years ago by a Scottish pastor. His name is George Duncan. Some of you may have read Cassius' works there priceless. But in this particular book, it's entitled Pastor and People. I revisited that book in preparation for being with you today. His book was sort of a pastoral letter, he said, that Paul had pastoral relationship to the Corinthian church. But if you study the life of Paul, and you look at where he would go and he would visit, he was sometimes better known as a missionary than he was a messenger. And he, and he came in, and, and in our text, we begin to see that, truthfully, every preacher of the gospel is to have the heart of a missionary. God, re, re, just refuel my soul over these last two weeks the need for missions to spread the gospel beyond right here but to the world so in many ways I've come to you as a missionary but I've come to you as a missionary to this community this Jerusalem where you're planted north side on the south side I'm having 
my mind's having a hard time with that. I want to invite my South Side friends to come over to North Side, but that's just me. I'm sort of ADD, but North Side of Noon, and I get it South Side of Atlanta, right? So, so missionary to this area, right where you are planted. Notice verse three, where the lost are back. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. He was going to plainly preach the truth, but there were those who would nonetheless fail to see it as such. Those people are lost. I mean, you say it, say it. Sometimes it's kind of hard to say lost. But indeed, they are lost. It's a strong word. It's translated from a word that speaks of perishing. They're perishing. They're dying. They're at the moment of destruction. I heard in the men's class this morning, we want to go minister to this individual and one I think one testimony I heard this morning was before I could get back he was dead pretty serious stuff isn't it lost so away with the notion that those who reject Christ do not believe the gospel are somehow going to be okay in the end look at this preacher they're not They are not. The wrath of God is on them already. Back in 2011, there was a so-called pastor who wrote a book. It debuted and it rose to number two on the New York Times best-selling list. The book was entitled love wins the book contends that nobody dies and spends eternity in a place called hell it's all just a myth and a misunderstanding according to this author and as the title indicated he believes that God's love would never send anyone to eternal punishment Here's the truth. I would be unloving. It would be an unloving thing for me to do to tell people there's no hell when there is. When there actually is hell is awful. It is an awful, awful place. But it doesn't just go away because I don't like to say it or I don't like to think about it. It's the truth of God's Word. And a man who's lost is bound for hell. His destiny is sealed. And I don't want to be 
an unloving missionary or messenger. I want people to know that there's an urgency and there's an emergency for any and all of us to give our lives to Christ. The last church that we were interim pastor our last few weeks there we saw a great number of senior adults come to Jesus. Baptized an 87-year-old woman. She came to me out of conviction one Wednesday. And she began to tell me she wasn't sure if she had trusted Christ as her Savior. She'd grown up in the church all of her life. But she said, these are her words. I feel so lost. feel so lost. I was able to lead her to Jesus. She was baptized and the heater didn't work. And we've got a great picture of her coming up out of that water. I think they're going to put it in a big old picture there somewhere in the church because it set that church on. There was one sitting right there with us that was lost. I thought she was okay. Your neighbor, he was a good old boy that you often say, hey, would you come to church with me? And he never does. Good chance. He's lost. Your cousin who that when you get together on family reunion and you talk to your cousin about Jesus, he gives you the, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I've done that. I used to go to church. But then he doesn't go anymore. Good possibility. He's lost. You see, this is serious. Paul is saying they were bound. But notice why the lost are blind. Do you see that? Verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. Paul is, is fond of describing the gospel in many places uh, in salvation, the terms of light and illumination perhaps because Paul himself first saw Jesus in the flash of a heavenly light he says for those who are lost and do not believe the gospel the God of this world here's another word say it Satan Don't want to say hell. Don't want to say Satan. But look what Paul says. He, he tells us right here that the God of this world, that is Satan, friend, he, he has blinded their minds. He continues to blind the minds of people in this room and in this community. Have you ever wondered about somebody 
witnessing, 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 witnessing. You just wonder, why don't they get saved? Why can't they see the truth? And the answer is, the enemy's blinded them. He's blinded them. Sometimes sharing the gospel with someone's like taking a blind man to an art gallery. I try to describe the paint strokes of Rembrandt, but Rembrandt is something you have to see to appreciate. But as a blind, as, as blind and lost as they are, we know that there's still hope. Say hope. I'm not 29. I'm going to tell you how old I am. Why do I keep preaching? Why, why do I keep going from place to place? Because there's still hope. I keep preaching and I keep witnessing and I keep working and I keep trying to let my life shine the gospel. Why? Because our own testimony is. I once was blind, but now I can see. Don't forget it, friend. Come number three is a minister. Messenger, missionary, and a minister. And in my ministry, Christ, is preeminent. He is my example. I don't have a to-do list. I don't check off the boxes. He presents the opportunities and then you respond accordingly. First Corinthians one twelve says that they in front, well in the whole book of First Corinthians the Corinthian believers had bad about following the big name preachers they were fans kind of like singing groups you know how singing groups would go and they got your groupies or well, in Corinthians 1 and 12, it says, I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Peter. But Paul made it clear then and again in our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that he had not come to set up his own kingdom. He was not going to be that charismatic personality. He wasn't trying to develop a cult. He wasn't trying to be the biggest show in town. God had not sent him there to, to build Paul's church, but to build his church. A minister follows the Lord and he's preeminent. 
notice to point to the Savior. Look at verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Missionary Paul had originally come to Corinth and the church was planted and it was started by him. He was the founding pastor and he, he, the one that, who led most of the folks to faith in Jesus. And yet Paul says, in mercy, God, given me this ministry, but the ministry isn't about me. It's about Jesus. It's the one I came to proclaim and he's the one I came to promote. Churches must be aware of putting their spiritual hopes and dreams in a man. You've experienced it, haven't you? My estimation of researching your history, you haven't had a, had a ton of pastors. each of the men that have come have all been different, right? You'll always have a relationship with the one who led you to Jesus, the one that was there who married you, the one that was there when your children were born, the one that was there when the marriage were performed. Listen, I, I continue, continue to hear from, from my parishioners from over these 43 years, and I thank God for that. standing in the pulpit in Chatsworth, Georgia today in a church that I love dearly for the last 18 months is a new pastor. And I'm praying God's blessings upon that man and that church. And I, I, I believe we left the vineyard in, in a place where there's low-hanging fruit, where they're in unity and they're in harmony. They're not, only, they're not picking at one another or vying for a place of prestige, or, or, but they, they've come and they're following the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Oh, my prayer for you is to look at what God is saying to us today. And, and notice, for we preach on ourselves, but Christ Jesus is the Lord. And then He says, the mercy that God has given to Him to come and to minister. I tell you, I stand before you today thanking God for this opportunity to be with you. I can and will pray for you. But you have to go before the great high priest yourself. I can pour my whole life into the work of this church, but I cannot lay my, my life for your soul. He's done that. I'll try to be the best good man, but I'm not the God man. You see, the God man, he's the head of Can I say it again? The God man, 
Jesus is the head of his church. How do we get it so confused? Because young preachers want to rise up and say, I like affirmation just like the next guy. It's his church. And if you haven't learned yet, there ain't no big shot to this church, just little squirts. Every one of us, saved by the grace of God. Preacher, I really look up to you. You ain't looking high enough. One last thing. Come to pastors and servants. As I said, the Corinthians really like the idea of celebrity pastors. They like big-name guys. And Paul told them that he was not there as a celebrity preacher, but a servant. Verse 5, for we preach on ourselves for Christ Jesus, the Lord ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. So as pastors as Corinthians, Paul's work was not only to, to preach to them, but to shepherd them and to lead them and that God-given role of a pastor, that, that's the part, dear friends, that, that, that's missing today when, with our celebrity TV-type preachers today. We need shepherding. That's why sheep get all at odds with one another because they don't have a shepherd. When Paul tells in verse 5 that he considered himself a servant to them, he didn't mean that they could boss him around or or tell him what to do. No, he was saying, I didn't come that you, I, I came as I follow him, that you follow me. I came that you would follow Jesus as a result of that and, and, and get down and serve so that you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He came, he washed feet. 1 Corinthians 1.11 says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. who I strive to be. You know how to pray for me. You know who to check me out with and what to check me out with. I wrote a closing statement Friday. I'm going to read it to you. I've not come to work for you like a hireling or an employee. I work for Jesus. Jesus is my Lord and my master. But my Lord and master is the kind that would take a towel and a bowl of water, get down on his hands and knees and wash the filthy feet of his disciples. If it will teach them to quit position and to see what true greatness really looks like. Preachers jokingly refer to the first few months of a church as the honeymoon. It's really a silly choice of words 
the new preacher in the church hasn't even gotten to date. In time, you're going to learn more about me. Some of it you'll like. Some of it you won't. There are some things about me you can know already. However, and this is what matters most, know that I came to preach the word of God accordingly. Know that I have come as a missionary with a heart to reach your community. Join me in the work of shining light in this darkness. Know that more than any man or any pastor, we all are called to follow Jesus, the chief shepherd of his flock, and the Savior of our souls. Know that I'm not the Messiah, but I know the Messiah. Look, let us look unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. May we be, he be glorified in this place. No matter who's standing in the pulpit or who's sitting in the The invitation is this. First and foremost is that if you're lost, there's hope. You can come from your darkness into the eternal light of Jesus Christ by simply repenting of your sin and, and coming and inviting him into your heart today. We'll gloriously, gloriously, joyfully welcome you to, to be a part of the family of God. We'll rejoice with you. We won't make fun of you. We won't embarrass you. But is God speaking to your heart? Come, please come. If you're not walking where you need to walk with the Lord today and you're walking at a guilty distance, if the Lord were to return today, is he going to find you with any unconfessed, unrepentant of sin? Get right today, right now, right here. Thirdly, if you're looking for a church home, and God's impressed upon you to come to here, I'm be a part of that. God's called you to spread the gospel. Home, barn, locally. Come let us know so we can help equip you and pray with you. And then last, if you'll join me in the work of reaching this community, I'm going to ask you to come to your knees and pray. As I pray, the music will begin. I invite you to come. I ask BJ to come and join me at the altar and other trained counselors for those that may need a word from the word today. But all of you perhaps need to come and kneel at this altar or right where you are. May God's blessing be upon this place today. May when we leave this place today, God says that to, to us in our heart of hearts, it's been good have been in the house of God today. Not just checking off the box, but we met with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's sing together and you come. You need to repent of your sin. You come.
You need to come to this altar and pray. God's blessing from you, your family, this church. You come. God be the glory. Come on. Got a special prayer need. DJ's available. I'm available. I'll be happy to pray with you today. God speaks. It's a two-way street. He speaks. We listen. We respond. Listen to what you're singing. His name, His grace, His mercy. just a moment. I would sure hate to leave this place today and somebody go out of here and not know Jesus. So again, my appeal is, if you really don't know for sure that Christ is your Lord, your Savior, you got any questions whatsoever, would you please come in this moment? We're not promised tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. And as we heard in Sunday school this morning, he died before I could go. if not in this room, I bet we know a neighbor, don't we? I bet we know a family member. I bet we need to call some folks this afternoon, visit some folks this afternoon. Amen? I want to invite you back tonight. Steal your invitation. Please don't make this announcement. God is so laid upon my heart tonight that we need to reconvene at 6 o'clock for a time of praise and prayer praise and prayer. We're going to come in hopes that God will speak in and through his people through testimonies. God will speak in and through his people through song and that we will pour our hearts out before God and ask God to say to us and show us the direction he desires for us to go. I invite you to come and be a part. I know some of you are involved in the uh, I want, us, I want us tonight, but the youth are going to join us tonight as well. And so it should be a, a wonderful time of God's family together. Oftentimes we experience these things with what we know as cottage prayer meetings. We just want to make this one big old cottage prayer meeting tonight, okay? Six o'clock tonight. You got anything else? No, I'll just say this. That seems like a contradiction. <laughs> made the decision along with Pastor Earl to bring the youth in because uh, not as a youth pastor so much, but as a daddy 
Um, now, I know that my, my teenager is in Awana and won't be in here, but I thought 